I'm glad I can fit in episode 76 this week because it's just 11 months before Christmas and I have preparations still to do. Yep, it's just 11 more months, so get ready. Now that the holiday season is behind us, winter decided to descend on the Washington, D.C. area with two days of snow that closed schools and dumped more snow on the ground in two years. So I really do have time to work on the podcast. I did open the door for Kona to go outside on the balcony to explore the snow. She actually kept saying she wanted to go out. She got a sense of the temperature as soon as I opened the door, and no way. Instead, she's been chirping at the snow blowing off the roof. I shared two episodes ago that the condo was behind schedule, and now that I was done flipping condos with the market cooling... I had time to put the current condo on the market at what hopefully would be an optimal time. The construction company wasn't great with information, so it was all a guess. By this time, Malvane and I had become pretty good friends, and since I was moving into a larger space with two bedrooms and two and a half baths, I suggested we might consider moving in when the condo was ready, since his lease was coming up and He is coming over to the house quite often. I hadn't had a roommate in decades, and while we were both a little hesitant, decided that we could see how it went. I put the condo on the market and thought it was the sweet spot that I could close on the old condo and move into the new one. As luck would have it, that didn't work. We actually spent several months in a hotel that was in Courthouse, which is about three quarters of a mile from the new condo. And through some pretty crafty negotiation, it wasn't horrible, and I had the old condo off my hands and didn't have to worry about selling it when the new condo was actually available. Alas, I did sell it for less than I initially planned because of the delay. Now that I'm living in a hotel, I'm going by the construction site often. Okay, I went daily. The complex has three buildings. Building A... Building B, and Building C. And I bet you're thinking, that's really creative naming of the buildings. Building A was built over five floors of commercial property, and Buildings B and C were fully residential units. A was to be done first, then B, which is actually attached to A, and then C. Building A is closest to being over the metro, And so that process was reversed with building C moving in, then B, and finally A, which set us back even more time. And that's why we were in the hotel for a couple of months. One evening, I decided to go to the site and thought, hmm, I see the elevator and the lights are lit up, so I wonder if I should go check out my unit. Hmm... No, that's a bad idea. So, what do I do? I go up. I find my unit, and by this time, they had just started putting in the padding for the carpet that was going in the bedrooms, and when I checked it, it seemed like the wrong one. So now what do I do? I'm not supposed to be in the condo. I shared with my realtor my observation, and she said, Oh, that's not a problem. When we do the walkthrough, we can find a reason to check the padding. Spoiler alert, it was the right padding after all. 
And now here comes the tip of the day. Eventually, yes, the condo was finally ready and I was moving out of the hotel into the new penthouse. It was quite exciting because I thought this was my long-term home. And because of the delay and the shift in the market, I had to finance a small amount. So I arranged a financing package to be a small amount on the primary mortgage and a substantial amount, actually well more than I needed, as the adjustable home equity line of credit. Now, both banks said, oh, wait, you have it backwards. The bigger amount is supposed to be the primary mortgage. And since I was financing a total markedly below the 80%, it's not a rule. In fact, it's a decision that has really paid off. I wanted the line of credit for who knows what scenarios that I could borrow against. And I've done it several times since I moved into the condo. So as long as you're financing less than 80% to avoid PMI, it's a great idea. I lived here since 2007, and I still have that line of credit for a couple more years. It's a very low interest rate, and I've borrowed against it to handle various needs. And keep in mind that it's really convenient when you need a fair amount of money on a short notice. At the same time that I'm working on closing the condo, I'm starting to have serious conversations with agencies for a chief learning officer position. The first one that I was most serious about was the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS. The deputy secretary that I was interviewing with seemed more than interested in me, and I had several interviews with her. And I was wondering at some point, How many more interviews do we need to have one-on-one? She was clearly the hiring official, and yet there seemed to be a hiccup of some kind. It was an SES position, so it required the final approval by the principal deputy secretary. Well into the process, I had at least four interviews, and frankly, I had created a strategic plan that mirrored my vision of commanding the 341st Services Squadron. Do you remember it? Create, enrich, grow. Create opportunity, enrich career development, and grow the future leaders of the organization. It is fitting for a chief learning officer, and so I modified my old charts with an HHS branding, and it was well received. Okay, maybe I was going to get the job, and I'm still waiting. I get a call from an HR officer at the FDIC. Now, I had applied to this organization at least six months prior, maybe even a little longer. I was asked to schedule an interview, and I was thinking, well, since HHS is dragging their feet a bit, and I wasn't sure if I should consider this organization. And this is where I involved some of my friends that I trusted in this arena to help. And the one I asked for the most help with was my former colleague and friend, Dr. Susan Studs. I really did value her viewpoint about this. So about this time, she had also accepted a new promotion herself. And so over the next several months, we talked several times a week, getting her advice as things unfolded. Eventually, I was told by the contact at HHS that they were realigning their SES positions, which is why the long delay and the CLO position was going to be downgraded 
to a GM15. Now, that really still was a step up for me. And though I really didn't think I wanted to take a position that was downgraded within an organization, because there would likely be some baggage associated with knowing that it was downgraded. Then I had a call encouraging me to apply for the same position at Citizen and Immigration Services within the Department of Homeland Security, or CIS. Okay, this was starting to get complex. I couldn't manage three organizations at the same time, so I fully declined the process at HHS and did a full court press at FDIC and CIS. Now, the process at CIS was interesting. It was a new office because of that new law and a very large budget or the promise of a budget to create a new program. I also had to do some learning about the FDIC and I kind of knew that they insured deposits and of course that's not their full mission. The FDIC is a federal agency with a unique characteristic. They are actually a federal corporation with a board of directors, a chairman, and senior executives leading the various and support organizations. Their primary funding is from premiums that the banks pay for the deposit insurance. And they had an existing corporate university versus a learning and training department or so forth within the organization. I learned this also is typical of nearly every major corporation in how they configure their learning programs. And maybe you've heard of Hamburger U or McDonald's Corporate University. And that's very different than most federal organizations because they don't typically have a corporate university and rather the learning and training organization. In fact, FDIC had tucked their learning program under the Department of Administration. And it was just about two or so years before I applied to the FDIC that it was a standalone organization led by a corporate officer. So as I moved through this process across the organizations that I applied to, the interview process was largely similar with regard to the questions enabling me to hone my response. A key question was how I would create a strong culture and upward mobility with any organization. I would caveat and say, well, in researching your organization, I was able to learn a little bit about the overall organization. However, as you know, most of it is behind a firewall. So I'm going to answer your question with a hypothetical answer. This worked because my comments wouldn't infringe or amplify any of their current programs that I would or would not have knowledge of. It actually started working out pretty well because I would have a number of different interviews that had the same question. By answering the question in a hypothetical and in some ways an ideal scenario, it worked really well. And then on the question that I was almost always asked about was how would I develop future leaders from within the organization? And I leaned back on my create, enrich, grow concept and would, of course, say there are some positions that you may want to hire from the outside the organization, implying the CLO, since I was applying for that position and wasn't in their organization, and it often would elicit chuckles. And then, like any interview, you get to the point where they ask you if you have any questions. 
Almost every organization through the interview would talk about their concern with silos that they had in the organization and how that affected their culture. And so I would go back to that part of the interview and say, as the chief learning officer, um, how has that worked in the past for eliminating these silos? And often I would get an honest response like, well, it hasn't worked well at all. And I was thinking to myself, so how do you expect me to change that now? And several times as I walked out of the panel, they would emphasize that culture was something that they really wanted to change. And I also realized that it's not easy to change culture, especially if you're an outsider. It would be about another month or month and a half, and I'm clearly in the final processes with both organizations. Now, CIS was going to be a GM-15 and not an SCS, and while that was a negative, they were talking about the possibility of a hiring bonus and a bank of leave. The position at the FDIC was a senior executive, and both the CLO and the director of corporate university setting me up as a potential officer of the corporation and one of nine directors. The problem was that the process with the FDIC was moving quite slowly. Remember, it was six or nine months before I even got the first call. And the CIS process was already a bit ahead. And that's when I called on a former student who you also learned was now an attorney. I called Matt Herriger and asked him that I realize you're not an HR attorney and not asking for legal advice. And, and my question more was, how long should I wait or keep the CIS on hold while the FDIC process catches up? CIS had approved everything I asked for, including a hiring bonus, a bank of substantial leave, and the promise of an amazing budget to work with. Now, there were two drawbacks. First, the promise of the budget was from a political appointee, and I knew from experience with DOD that funding can go away as an administration changes. Second, we were well into the fiscal year, and I was doing some math thinking that kind of budget would be tough to spend within the fiscal year parameters. And on the other side, there wasn't a firm offer from the FDIC, and I had yet even to know if I was going to get a final interview. Finally, I didn't have any more time, and I had disclosed to my contact at CIS that I was seriously considering another position with another organization, and that they were equal in consideration. How much time can you give me to decide? The answer was not much, although they were somewhat understanding that I really wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. And remember, she knew me from my time at NDU and my skill set, so Talking to my loosely gathered advisors, I was advised not to take more than another two weeks at the very most. I decided to call the HR office directly, and the person who took my call offered a unique piece of information. She said that she was working my possible appointment and emphasized they had a great flexible work schedule policy that included senior leaders in the organization. And okay, that sounded like a good thing. Then she said, yes, 
Her boss has a four-day, five-day work week, meaning she worked 10 hours a day to get the extra day off every other week. And I also was thinking, I'm retired. That's going to be kind of cool. Until she said, yeah, she loves it, although she doesn't usually get to take the extra days off. Okay, so you have a policy that really isn't a policy in practice. Because I knew my time was getting short with making a decision with CIS, I also shared the same information with the FDIC that I was considering another position. And they scheduled my final interview very quickly. And it was with the chair of the FDIC, Sheila Baer. I've been through a panel of three executives and a one-on-one with the deputy chairman who would become my boss if I was hired. And this was the last interview. And since the FDIC knew I was in the final stages with another federal organization, they said they expedited the meeting with Chair Bear and that they would make a decision rather quickly. I asked, I'm not sure if I can ask this question. And they said, no, go ahead. I said, how many are interviewing with the chairman? And the contact said, I'm not supposed to tell you this. There are two finalists and one is meeting with the chairman. That sounded like good information, and I called Susan, and she agreed. I'm sitting face-to-face with Chairman Bear, and she was fumbling through some papers and looked up and said, I don't see any banking experience. My response was, my grandfather was president of a bank for 45 years. And being a quick read, I realized it was not time for a small joke and regrouped very quickly. I knew her background was teaching at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and so I quickly said something to the effect that, for your learning organization, do you want someone who is a proficient banker or someone who has a strong background in education, training, and employee development? And that saved the interview. The rest of the questions were pretty much pro forma, and it may be less than seven minutes at the most. The time is moving, and I'm out of time to reasonably keep CIS on hold. So I tried to call my contact, and there was no answer. I tried again and still got her recording. So I leave a message. It is with great regret that I am withdrawing my name from consideration. I hadn't gotten the word from the FDIC yet, but I was feeling pretty good. The next day, there was a message on my phone, and it wasn't kind. In my mind, I realized at that moment, I made the right decision. Remember, applying for any position is an interviewing process on both sides. The next week, I get the call. I'm offered the CLO and Director of Corporate University position at the FDIC, and the next steps are to negotiate salary, onboarding, and final details. It's great news, and there is no question in my mind that while this career path is highly unusual, the decision to go to William & Mary, the experiences as Chief of Training and Education for Services, the time at the University of Texas and Maryland, and particularly, and maybe the unexpected opportunity at National Defense University were all reasons I landed this position. 
And not only am I excited with this new venture, it is without a doubt a new chapter in my journey. I wasn't even sure I was going to work after retiring from the Air Force. There was no doubt in my view from seeing this position from the vantage point of interviews with several agencies, I really wasn't 100% qualified for the position, and yet I knew I could do it. I did recognize that it was the biggest job in my career, and as one of the most senior leaders and an officer of the corporation, in hindsight, I was pretty confident, albeit with a good dose of reality, that it was going to be a huge challenge. I went back to the advice I was given early on in picturing yourself in the position for a couple of days to imagine what it would be like, and that's exactly what I did. Now, you'll remember that at the same time all of this is going on, closing on the condo, the job search that was actually not that long after retiring from the Air Force, I was also navigating the process at the VA. And I'll share some insight on that process next week as well as my onboarding at the FDIC and that next adventure. Have a great week and keep warm.